Welcome to Jump by Design. I'm David Pachter. We're a show about accelerating achievement for leaders looking to excel through the struggle. As we know, learning and growth come outside of the comfort zone and more frequently when you're still in the fight. Today we're talking about the transformative impact of taking a break, taking the time to clear your head, reflection, and the oddly counterintuitive role it plays in achievement and satisfaction. We've been so focused on accelerating achievement that the role uh, of taking time to reflect and recharge is often out of the field of vision. And I'll start today by establishing something that I've been thinking about, which is that perpetual aspiration is not a recipe for happiness. Uh, the concept of taking a break was once the domain of teachers, but sabbaticals have become in vogue for Gen Z and entrepreneurs seeking to recharge their batteries. Today's show explores the entrepreneur sabbatical, and joining me are two people who mastered it, and I know that because I met them both while I was attempting to do it myself. It didn't come naturally for me, and it wasn't all that well planned, but it was more than positive, it was transformative. For me, it was more an act of desperation than aspiration. I was feeling pretty fried. It was 2014, and the startup that I had co-founded five years prior had been acquired by our largest client. It was the second time I had a great outcome as an operator, but the first time that my phone really started ringing with opportunities, and I oddly had no interest. Uh, it wasn't only that I kind of resented the attention coming from people who I'd known for many years who overnight seemed to all of a sudden think I was smart, although I must admit that bugged me a little bit. But the five years prior had been a little more torturous than most entrepreneurial endeavors. It coincided with uh, uh, both a, a terminal illness that my wife had at the time and also a very serious illness that uh, my baby daughter had at the time as well. So there I was, I found myself uh, a single dad without a full-time job and given the opportunity to hit hyperspace, uh, and some good guidance from one of today's guests and my seven-year-old girl who at the time seemed really up for the adventure, we moved to Spain. It was transformative both personally and professionally. I met my second wife there and returned with an eight-year-old girl and 12-year-old twins. I also decided that I didn't want to operate another business and I would focus on nurturing emerging leaders through Jump by Design and my work at the Jump Crew. It would not have happened if my friend Liz Hamburg hadn't suggested I check out the family blog of David and Allison Rich. David is with us today. He's an entrepreneur, investor, and adventurer. I met, when I met him, he and his family were on their second year living in Barcelona. Professionally, he's been an expert in the market research sector where he founded and sold multiple businesses. He's on a mission to help companies and brands forge deeper connections with their employees and customers. He also hosts a dinner series designed to provoke, inspire, and intimately connect board members and executive teams around the globe. David Rich, thank you for being here. Thrilled to be here, David. Also with us today is Jeff Gordman. Jeff and his family arrived in Barcelona around the same time I did. He's the former CEO of Gordman's, a publicly traded retailer, which employed 5,000 associates and had over $600 million in sales. Jeff had an amazing 18-year tenure in the role. He's currently the president of Jeff Gordman Advisory, which provides consulting services and financial capital to the consumer and healthcare industries. Welcome, Jeff Gordman. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure, David. Thank you. When I think about the impact personally and professionally of taking a break, and in our collective cases moving to Spain, it was really different for, for each of us. Uh, David, you were on your second tour when we met. 
Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll start here with Jeff uh, a little bit. He had an 18-year-old run. And just by saying that, I feel like I have completely glossed over the massive changes in uh, retail that impacted your business career and the complications and the stress associated with leading and selling a, a big family business. But when you think about moving your immediate family to another country, Jeff, everything gets a little more complicated. How did that conversation play out in the house? Well, it's a really interesting dynamic. My children at the time were in seventh and fifth grade. Um, and so when we introduced the concept of going on an adventure, there is understandably a lot of trepidation um, with Harper and Zev. But ultimately, they grew to be somewhat excited by the by the opportunity and the comfort of knowing that we would ultimately return home to, to our family and friends. Was there anything that you had to do to get them over that hump from trepidation to excitement to where you were at the beginning? <laughs> um, I think it was just our knowing that, that we would be together as a family and that we would go on some really exciting adventures in terms of traveling, traveling, uh, all over the world, as well as meeting people, and and really stretching our our comfort zone as a family, and learning and living and loving together. More than any of the folks that we met over there, you seem to really know what you wanted to get out of your experience, what you wanted it to be like. How did you go about planning that? Everything seemed very well orchestrated from the outside looking in. Well, I had an unusual opportunity in that. Um, my children, from a timing standpoint, it was it, it was perfect. It was essentially a confluence of two factors. Um, my youngest child, Zev, it was his last year of elementary school, and my daughter Harper, her last year of middle school. So it was just ideal from a transition standpoint. And I had an unusual opportunity, having had a, a, a long tenure as. Uh, as CEO of Gordman's to essentially take a break. I had sold the business almost six years prior and stayed on with my team and, and took the business public and did a secondary. So the timing was, was really right. And my wife, Danielle, and I had been contemplating um, taking a, a sabbatical and having an amazing cultural immersion experience for for some time just due to uh, the travel that we had done as, as a couple, including uh, Spain celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary a few years prior to our ultimately moving there for a year. Awesome, so you had cultural immersion on your mind. David Rich, you had a very different circumstance. You were juggling operating a business in the States while living in Spain with, uh, with three children and your wife, Allison, was working full-time in Barcelona. That's a different type of sabbatical. And you did it all with style and grace while finding the time <laughs> to help so many people connect with each other. Uh, well, let, let's just say all sabbaticals are not created equal. Sure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, really for us, you know, having been to Europe a, a few times for some, you know, long weekends or, you know, week vacations and sort of sitting in the sidewalk cafe and just really seeing everyone enjoy life and go at a, a leisurely place, pace. You know, we just said, you know, it was just one of these things that we said, you know, one day, like we want to live in Europe. And that sort of became, you know, on the proverbial, you know, bucket list. 
Um, but you know, like you get a little bit older and you see things happen, you know, um, what's that, that saying, you know, uh, we plan and God laughs. I mean, we don't have as much control over things as we like to think that we do. And, um, I was sort of, I think I was about 43 at the time. So, um, you know, we just said, you know, if, if not now, like, when are we going to do it? Because you always have in this mind when X happens and Y happens, we're going to be able to do it. And I just, I think it was the beginning of 2012. And we just said, you know, we're going for it. And um, we knew a family that lived there, not that well, but we sort of did a recon um, trip. And um, they did, and by the way, let me just back up. Barcelona, I would have lived anywhere in Europe. I would have lived in London, I would have lived in Paris, I would have lived in Rome. It just so happens that we just knew of a family that lived in Barcelona. Now, like we were there before, we liked it. So we're like, let's sort of see how that works. Uh, so we went over there for, for a couple of days. We visited with the family. They, were, um, they invited us to dinner in their home and uh, they just made it so easy. It's like they gave us a blueprint of this is the neighborhood you live in. This is the school that your kids would go to. So we sort of left that saying, well, you know, why not Barcelona? And Spanish is probably a good language for the kids to pick up. And, um, you know, we sort of put a stake in the ground and we said, it's, it's going to happen. And I always say, like, listen, there were a hundred reasons why, why we shouldn't have done it. And you sort of mentioned it. I mean, I was, you know, juggling running, you know, some companies. My wife works in corporate America. You know, the kids were in school. You know, the New York City school system is not um, as flexible as maybe other, other places. I mean, there were lots of reasons. But we said, you know, if it's important enough, we were just going to do it. And, um, and that we did. So put the stake in the ground. We are moving there. Um, and our life only got better um, after that. So you actually went twice to Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about your, what you were setting out to accomplish the first time versus the second time, and there was, you had a one-year break in between, how do you how do you look at the two, juxtapose the two trips that you've had? Well, well, first of all, this is this whole podcast is a cautionary tale. Um, because, you know, be careful what you wish for. It's, it's um, you know, I really do hope that we can inspire more people, um, you know, to take a sabbatical, um, whether it's sort of like how I did it um, the first time, which is sort of more of a sort of hybrid sabbatical or sort of how Jeff or yourself did it. Um, so, I mean, just, I mean, a couple things. I mean, just in regards to um, sort of the, the first time we went, I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, I was, I was sort of, I was working full time. I was scared, you know, about how things would, well, certainly how things, and Jeff, you spoke a little bit about it, sort of about the family. Um, I was concerned about that. Our kids were a little younger at the time, um, but then also concerned about the business. And the, and, and the one thing which I'll say is that just, uh, which I said before, it's like things just got better. I mean, we're so worried about how the kids were going to, you know, be, you know, living in another country, but which, by the way, they sure. never were before. They never, you know, were in Spain before they actually moved there. Um, it just all worked out. I mean, the first time, I, you know, sometimes people ask, like, what's the difference between the first time you went and the second time? First of all, the first time we went, we thought we were pulling, like, this giant coup. Like, to get away for a year, that was what an incredible opportunity. We never even thought beyond that. And quite frankly, we never even thought, you know, Jeff sort of mentioned what a powerful experience it was, you know, for his family as it was for us too. But the one thing which we didn't expect um, was just how just many deep, deep friendships that we would make um, with people from Spain, Catalans, and then a lot of expats sort of in similar um, situations. So when it got sort of to the tail end, like we didn't want to go back. 
at all. But of course, sort of the wheels were in motion. My wife committed, you know, to her um, company that she'd only be, you know, away for a year. The kids sort of had their transitions at school, so we needed to be back for that. But we left, one, just being thrilled that we got the opportunity to go, but not wanting it to end. So um, we came back to New York, and um, we sort of just always sort of had this vision of, like, we need to return, we need to return. And um, and that we did. And I will say sort of the, the gift of all this, of being able to sort of run your companies from abroad, was that it forced me to work sort of on the business opposed to in the business because there was – 3,700 miles sure. between us. So all of a sudden I was so much more strategic about the business, which made the businesses run better. Actually my businesses, I don't know what this says about me, but my businesses did better with me being 3,700 miles away than being 37 inches you know, away. I think that's such a really interesting perspective. But, you know, in the context of the relationships that we all made over there, uh, certainly you know, the time and the environment and the way that we all met each other was impactful, but was making deeper connections always a purpose of your move to Spain because you seem to be doing it so naturally over there? Well, environment matters. And uh, no, it wasn't a purpose. As a matter of fact, and, and that's a great question, David. I just sort of thought that the people that we were going to meet there were just more or less going to be acquaintances. Not that we wouldn't get to know people, but I never really thought that these were going to be deep relationships that were going to really last beyond the time we were there. Um, and in the end, um, my, my family, all of us made these incredible, incredible relationships. And also, you know, which I thought was really fascinating. I mean, when you are an expat, um, depending on where you go, but there's, um, a there's the kids had their schools. So the kids had their friends in school and we, you know, got to know parents and so forth. My wife um, was working for a multinational corporation. So there were sort of relationships that she picked up from there. I was really active in the entrepreneurial community with this uh, organization called EO, which is an international um, organization. So that was pretty phenomenal. Uh, we happened to be Jewish and we joined a synagogue. So what was so incredible is that we ended up having, you know, four plus communities, you know, in Barcelona and, you know, building communities, um, you know, within. I, that I have lasted to this day. You might have had more than that. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, uh, when you think about the adjustment from being an intensely active operator to actually stepping back, uh, which I did for the most part, but you probably did it better than I did. What was that adjustment like? Well, I guess it, it starts with just trying to bifurcate um, your identity as being identified with what you do with respect to who you are. And I really Great want one. to be extremely intentional, take a step back and focus on what I felt was incredibly important, which is the relationship with my family and my wife and my children in particular. One of, one of our objectives for taking this sabbatical was to slow down time. I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week, week in, week out, traveling all over the country um, in my role as CEO of Gordman's. And I felt that while I was very present, as present as I possibly could be as a father and as a spouse, it was really important to me to, uh, once I turned 50, 
soon thereafter having this opportunity to to take this sabbatical to really focus on the relationship with my family for this time frame so that was that was really how i want to i, I want to echo that as well because for me i felt like i had lived the past four years in a perpetual crisis uh, even when it got well things got kind of on a positive roll at the end and that time in Spain really gave me this opportunity to develop a different kind of bond with my daughter that I don't think I would have had if I had stayed in New York for the whole period. Yeah, without without a doubt, experienced exactly that same that same dynamic. How long did it take before you knew you had made a good decision? That's a great question. Um, I will tell you, it was, a, it was a little heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching at first seeing my children go through this um, painful transition period for the first couple of weeks. We moved in the summer and we put them in a, uh, a language camp for, for a few weeks. And then soon thereafter, after, after a little travel throughout Costa Brava and Northern Spain, we started school. And there, there were definitely moments with, with respect to my children where they, um, they indicated they really liked Barcelona, but they, they liked Omaha more and they wanted to come back. However, once um, they were able to establish their circle of friends and get into the, to the vibe of life in Barcelona, which, which really took them about a month into school. So it was a total of about two and a half months after we first moved. Everything was phenomenal and they, they really came to enjoy it and, and focused on that experience and somewhat forgot about um, what they were missing in, in Omaha. My daughter was younger, so I didn't really have that challenge to overcome. David Rich, was that an issue for your kids making a transition? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of funny. I have a little bit of the opposite experience, which was, um, you know, my wife Alice and I made this decision sort of earlier in that year, let's just call it like January, February. We didn't tell the kids till May. And we were moving there in um, July. We didn't want to give them too much time to think about it. And I remember sort of sitting the kids down or we were planning to sit the kids down to sort of tell them, you know, what was going to be happening. And we had it all set. I'm like, all right, great, Alice, we're going to do it Friday night. Friday night comes, she's like, you know what, let's not, like, I don't feel it's right. No problem. I'm like, let's do it Saturday morning, you know? Saturday morning comes, she's like, no, 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 I just, just don't feel it's right. Then it's Sunday, I'm like, Allison, like, I don't care what you have, what you say, like, we just have to tell them. So it's Sunday breakfast, we sit the kids down, and, and I sort of say, hey, guys, you know, like, however, now and then, we take a vacation, and we go away for, for a week or so, and they're like, yeah. I go, what would you think if we took a 365-day vacation and they're like, yeah, that's okay. I was like, great, because we're moving to Spain. You're going to go to school there for the year, and it's going to be great, you know? And my daughter looked up, Jessica. She looked up, and she goes, hey, can I have a smoothie for breakfast? In other words, <laughs> it was no big deal. Like, they did, it just didn't even phase them at all. Um, and then, again, took the, took the, the direct flight, you know, the one bought the one-way ticket and um, landed in Spain with, six bags and the rest was history but what was funny i remember day two sitting in our apartment in barcelona i was up before everyone else saying to myself like god like you know maybe i made a mistake and i for a brief moment in my head i was like 
you know, it's not too late. They could go back to school <laughs> in New York. We'd still make, you know, we'd still be able, you know, to make the dates and so forth. That was for a second. And by day three, I was hooked. Um, and the rest is, um, the rest is history. So it's bold and it's courageous. And my hat goes off to both you guys. Cause I wasn't as bold and courageous. I, uh, I committed to 90 days and so many of the families like both of your families had really done a, an amazing job of planning not only uh, what they wanted to get out of the experience but the uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to travel I, when you think about it it's because it's very easy when you're there and certainly if you're going to spain or to france or to england everyone's going to share this but uh, when i think of the opportunities that both of you guys had to travel jeff how many countries did you take advantage of seeing while you were overseas, not to put you on the spot? We, uh, as a family, we went to 21 countries together throughout Europe, um, Africa, and parts of the Middle East. And uh, I, I actually traveled to two, two additional countries. So it was, it was really amazing from that perspective. And David, I know you put together some amazing trips because I was the beneficiary of joining you on a couple of them. And had you thought about them beforehand? Or did you put them together when you got there? Yeah, you know, this is the kind of the funny thing is, and I want to answer this in two parts. Like one of, you know, of course, before we moved there, we thought, hey, we're in Europe, so we could travel. So we had some plans to do some travel. I just didn't realize because we sort of jaded a little bit by sort of traveling in the U.S., um, just how easy it was until we got there. So we probably ended up traveling 3x more than I thought. Um, and also what's amazing is it's like it's – Friday and you're speaking to someone, you're picking your kids up to school and you ask like, what are you doing this weekend? And then someone will, oh, we're going to Norway, you know, <laughs> we're going to Germany. I mean, it's just sort of part of the lexicon. So you have all these people experiencing it. And then of course, when you see them on Monday, they give you the whole itinerary of, you know, and there are places you never even thought about going that all of a sudden you can and airport, just the infrastructure is just so easy to get, to get around. I, um, I don't want to make you it tell it. I don't want to make it sound like we're we're jetting off in our in our private Learjet somewhere. We're talking about you know thirty euro, forty euro welling flights that yeah. take a half hour, forty five minutes to get to just about anywhere in Europe. Yeah, right? it was incredible. Fifty euros, you know, in less than two hours, you'd be you know in Rome, you know, eating pizza. It's you know? But but the other thing which I want to say because a lot of times people, I mean, I we traveled um, you know as much as. Um, you know, Jeff did, and to some degree, you, you as well, David. And that was incredible. But I, I really mean this. Um, we talked a little bit about community. I would, um, the biggest part for me about being abroad and, and, and living abroad was the community. And that was another thing, we, we touched on it before, that I just had no expectations of what an how big of an impact that was. So when I look at the overall experience and how that has shaped us to this day, Sort of the biggest gift we got was just the gift of community and, and living in Barcelona and being with other families. It was just something I could never, I never expected until uh, we got there. So you started to define that a little bit. I want to, I want to put a little more meat on that bone because certainly with all of our kids being in the same school, that gave us a community. There was a, there's a community of dads. Uh, in Barcelona that we developed, you know, some really good relationships with that have been together a long time. And it's a combination of expat dads, 
and dads who are working for American and European companies and living in Barcelona and some early retirees as well. You mentioned you joined the synagogue. We had our EO Entrepreneurs Organization Forum over there that was incredibly impactful. And then there's also the local Catalan community, which you know I know had a deep impact on, on all of us. Jeff, what, do you, what, what was the most impactful to you of, of the community aspect of, of being there in Barcelona for a year? Yeah, I would, I would share David's sentiment in that I, we didn't have high expectations there. We, we were hoping that we would make new friends, but the depth of the relationships that we, we made were incredible, both from an expat perspective as well as uh, uh, a, a few the few families that were, were, were Spaniards. Um, and, and I think part of that was just attributable to the spontaneity of the uh, of our ability to live to in a, a new a new area of the world into our focus on slowing down time and our focus on having this cultural immersion experience together but the the speed with which we were able to really become incredibly close with um, new friends and families was was so far exceeded our expectations. In fact, we even had a, 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 a reunion um, in Omaha with two families, actually um, kind of in the middle of, uh, of these cornfields at a lake house. And that was just pretty incredible that two years later, uh, or more than two years later, that we convened together a family from San Francisco and then uh, actually David Rich's family from Brooklyn in, in Omaha and hung out for five days. I think that's, that speaks to the power and to the depth and to the closeness of, of the relationships that we've made. Thank you for listening to part one of Making Sabbaticals Work. Make sure to come back next week where Jeff Gordman, David Rich, and I talk more about sabbaticals and how to make them work for you and your family. <laughs>